Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 10, The Dolphin. <laughs> You're just going to keep calling it The Dolphin, are you? Yeah. I mean... It's French. It's a French dolphin. I mean, I hope this is still the intro and not even music break. <laughs> Jean-Luc Shorty Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transport a deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Wyke is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Start the series. And uh, joining us on this episode is my lovely wife, Hillary. Hillary Hello. Hello. Hi, Hillary. Hi, Paul. So last time we were on this podcast together, it was just... Hillary and I. So, Paul, this is the first time we, uh, the three of us, have all been together on a podcast. Yeah, so the both of us can deep sigh. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'll it's give been, you. It's I'll been give a few you. episodes since I've had to do that, but <laughs> Hillary has a lifetime of experience, so she might uh, out deep sigh you on this one. That's um, fair, but I mean, this episode. The. <laughs> this I, <is> a <laughs> I have to apologize right now, Hillary, to you because the last episode, uh, I don't even remember what the title of it is. I just remember it as the Sick People Dream Woman episode. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're talking about Haven? Haven. Haven, there that's it is. what it was. Yeah, yeah, that was the one with Riker and his harp ladies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah. had the holographic harp ladies that yeah. I had some issues with. And here we are on the French Dolphin episode. I just get pulled mm-hmm. in for all the gems. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, this one, I mean, we've had some bad season two episodes so far. Mm-hmm. This one is not good, but it's also funny, right? It's still, there are parts in this that probably weren't meant to be funny, but at <laughs> least this one is still enjoyable in some ways. Well, I'm going to make you show your work on that one. So, I mean, I've got a lot of notes. Yeah. I mean, because I normally when I watch these uh, episodes, I take notes. We watched this last night, right? We did. Yes. We were both battling sleep. And like that didn't help, I don't think, because I towards the end of this one, I'm pretty sure I, I, I knocked off for a little bit. I did my homework. I watched it from beginning to end. Okay. I saw the whole thing. I watched, I, well, I just mentioned I watched it twice today. So Well, then you win an award, Paul. You get a medal. <laughs> but I went back, and normally I've got, I've got thoughts, feelings, uh, things that make me angry. This all about feelings, right? It is. Yeah, it is. I don't, but it doesn't make me feel anything but ambivalent. So all I have are well, one thing that I like. That's because you're not an angsty teenage space guy right but i was i was as close as you could get to an angsty teenage space guy i was there just without the space yeah but that's past tense that's past tense yeah, yeah. yeah. that's past tense that was a long time ago and did you're you, an old man did you now. fall in love with a shapeshifter <laughs> i mean that's a question i mean i would have i mean i feel like that's the thing i probably would have done if if it was an option and i probably my reaction may have been 
similar, which is like, oh, you're a shapeshifter, and then pout, which is what he does, right? I no, mean... and that's the problem here, right? <laughs> a lot of this is written correctly. It's just that watching teenagers be awkward is kind of dumb, right? <laughs> I haven't considered it from that angle, but yes, I believe that like, is one of the problems. <laughs> we were all there. We were all space kids in love with shapeshifters, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's just... That's the truism of this episode, right? Exactly. I was a, I was a space kid in love with shapeshifters. Were, Hillary, were you ever a space kid in love with shapeshifters? No, space didn't really enter my realm until I met you in college. It wasn't really it wasn't really part of my world. That's pretty true. I mean, not that that's a a good thing or a bad thing. It just that's the reality. Were of you it, an so. Earth kid in love with a shapeshifter? I don't think so. <laughs> no. I was just a kid trying to get through school. Is this metaphor dangerously close of running off the rails? Yes, it, it I may mean, have already I, done that. Did you read Animorphs? Because, I mean, that's basically this episode, too. And I think Pulaski <laughs> even says the word Animorphs at some point. So, For anyone right now who wrote a bot that's scouring the internet for an Animorphs reference, you just oh, hit man. jackpot right there. That's uh, Paul. Somebody, somebody just had their day made. Um, just email us at animorphs at animorphs.com. <laughs> I hope that still goes somewhere. Um, so this episode is, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it's its light in all the areas where it shouldn't be, and it's heavy in all the areas where it shouldn't be, right? Like it spends far too little time with the central premise of the episode, which is really a love story, right? It's like a... Sure. I was going to ask, what, what do you think the central premise is? That's a great point. I know because what it, I know me, what it should be. I a don't lot know what of it this, is. and to some degree, even the costuming and stuff, this almost feels like a Lizard People episode, right? Where they, mm-hmm. um, and I forget the name of that episode in season one. Um, yes, yeah, boy. Anyway, <laughs> are we both just going to go back and look for it? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll that, Google. Uh, you keep talking. Um, in any case, the, the idea that like there's something going on like they have to get her to a planet or something but that's not important right it's the same like in that one where they had to get to like parliament planet or whatever they called it like diplomacy i forget what no it was literally called parliament it was a planet Planet. called parliament yeah and yeah whatever thinly veiled ideas they had there but that wasn't the story right it it was this weird whatever else happened in that episode and now i can't even remember (laughs) boy but that's yeah. It, this one is about this weird love story and like Wes trying to figure out how to talk to a girl, basically, right? He spends half the episode being handed off from one person to the next, as he's like, "How do I talk to someone?" They're all like, mm, "Go, go ask somebody else." Yeah, yeah. And that's more or less the episode, right? Well, and and you've kind of hit upon the. I mean, that that is what it is to be a kid, right? I have a problem and go bother somebody else like that's also so yeah she starts with jordy and jordy sort of uncharacteristically is just like wes i've got work to do (laughs) like yeah okay well and and i did have this thought when he was asking jordy about what to uh what to do like it's not like jordy has a successful track record for wooing the opposite sex right like that's that's also a thing yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I was going to say, I, his most successful one has been, what, a hologram? Has that episode come up? Or is well, that... That, is, that doesn't even come up yet. But Yeah, yeah that's that, right. That, that's later. And that's a very awkward take on it, right? He overcomes his kind of um, problems with that by basically interacting with a hologram. Um, but yeah. then that 
comes back later. Yep. Um, but that's a great episode um, later. Yeah, that's not but this episode, though. This episode. It is not this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, Hillary, I guess, looking at the episode that we watched, what do, you, what do you think is the core of this episode? Not what it should be, but what do you think the core of this episode is? No, I think I think the core of the episode is is the love story, but as we were talking about earlier, I think that my thoughts on it are that, you know, obviously we're talking about what it should have been, which in my opinion was it should have been more focused on her story about her trials and tribulations of having to be alone on this planet and run this planet all by you know essentially with with what she what she talks about is her book learning you know i mean i've never been to these planets i've never been here i've Mm -hmm. never been there add that in with their love story and there would have been potential there for a fantastic you know a fantastic foray into so she's got to make this tough decision about either staying with Wesley or going back to her planet. And they kind of touched on that, but it just kind of got thrown off at the end there when she was like, yep, nope, I have to do this. But there really didn't <laughs> feel like... My planet needs me. My I have plan- to go now. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. But, yeah. she, you know, I mean, um, and obviously it's young love and stuff like that. But, you know, young love is supposed to be stupid and awkward. And I felt like they just didn't do enough with that to... I mean, there could have been a lot there to make that the central plot and to give that, you know, yep. more focus. Yep. And, and that that was missing. Yeah, also Princess missing, Amidala has a pretty weak backstory here. Princess yeah. Amidala. Also yeah. missing, I felt like Wesley this entire time should have been wearing a sweater vest. It Ooh. just felt like he needed a sweater vest to really drive home the awkwardness. That's all. Yeah, they put him in his gray jammies to make him <laughs> seem more, I guess, part of the crew. But like... No, he needed a sweater vest. He needed a sweater vest. Yeah, that's a... I mean... That's a good point that I think this episode is afraid to really own what it is, which is like an awkward love story about two teenage kids. But like, I I think, Paul, your observation is is really good about like it really captures what it's actually like to to be in a teenage romance, not not the romanticism of teenage romance, you know, because like Romeo and Juliet were awkward teenage kids. Right. But that that's one of the greatest love stories of all time because it focuses on the romanticism, not the fact that they're bumbling idiot kids. And this episode focuses on the fact that, well, Wes is a bumbling idiot kid and Celia is an anamorph. And like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all of that gets in the way. Star crossed lovers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but all that gets in the way, unfortunately, because it focuses on all that crap rather than like their actual feelings towards each other. Well, and and yeah, there is. And and Hillary, you bring up a great point that that there's the backstory is so weak on. I'm just going to keep calling her Princess Amidala, but. Um, Celia. Amadala. <laughs> uh, part of that is that Wes is too dumb to ask. Like, no, all the advice he gets, nobody's like, well, why don't you ask about her? Like, what is she like? What are her hobbies and stuff? They all have these other weird things that they pitch to him. So he never just sits down and says, like, hey, tell me about yourself. And, like, she says once, like, tell me about the waters of your homeworld, Muad'Dib, or something mm-hmm. like that. But... Um, <laughs> That's about it, right? They never really try to get to know each other. They just say, like, hey, you're perfect. I'm perfect. Should we hang out? Cool. Yeah. Well, and and uh, you, you are, do raise another good point, too, about the advice that's given to Wes. Because uh, Hillary, <laughs> when Riker is talking to Guinan, 
what were what was your reaction to that scene? <laughs> Maybe you guys just want to do a line by line read of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> if I had the script, I yeah. I, I, uh, Riker is always a character in the entirety of Star Trek that I have struggled with. I feel like. Like I said when like when I was doing the Haven episode, he always just comes across as so swarmy and so he makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Like sometimes I think if I if I ran into Riker in a dark alley, I would run the other way. Like I'm not convinced that I would feel safe in his presence. And that's always unnerved me a little bit because it's sort of in contrast to this sort of like I'm a hero and I'm the first officer on this ship and I'm generally do nice things for people, you know? And yeah. his his interactions with women are always, they're always over the top stereotypical. And I just, I don't know. Like, I thought the interaction with him and Ganon was hysterical because it's so Riker. It's, and and every time he was saying it, I was like, no, I don't know why we're laughing. That's exactly how Riker would approach the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. exactly what he would say. Like, he's not, he's not doing it to be funny. He's seriously what he would say. Because mm-hmm. he thinks he's hot shit. Like, he thinks yeah. he's super awesome. <laughs> and, and to some degree, I was almost wondering if that was scripted or improv like right how much of that was jonathan frakes and Whoopi goldberg just yeah. back and forth in it like give them 10 takes and they probably would have come up with that that uh, so much of it was just good acting between those two characters um but I, I think you are right that there's two rikers that we've seen so far and a big part of it is what gender he's dealing with um and uh was it, it's the last episode we were just talking about um where he hung out with a bunch of Klingons. And it was like, wow, this is a cool Riker we know. Um, because it's not the Riker that's being all sleazy interacting with, with women. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the times where we've seen him fail at that are these ones where, like, somebody's getting married or, you know, we're going to see some other ones where, like, he seduces, you know, random alien people, etc. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there because... <clears throat> This is not at all the actual explanation of this because this answer is too deep, really, for for this. But I go w- for it. I've got tons of crazy <laughs> theories on this episode. <laughs> I want to see. I, I want to see the episode that brings this Riker stuff to the surface in terms of his relationships with women, because it is also established in the series that Riker's mom is not really in the picture at all. Right, like that he was Kyle Riker, his father, raised him as a single uh, dad. Actually, that's not established yet, but it will be very soon. Yeah, four um, episodes, three, four, four episodes. Yeah, yeah, when when they perform uh, the greatest form of martial arts, uh, Tron, and, and, and Bojitsu Tron martial arts. Yeah, exactly. And Riker works out his daddy issues, and I want to see that episode where because. Hillary, you're right. It's like Riker flips a switch. And it's it's specifically with women. And it's also, I mean, I'll go one step further. It's specifically with women that he does not know and views as a potential sexual partner. It's, it's only women that he's objectified. Because he is capable of having deep conversations with Deanna Troy, but they have a, a more connected relationship. Like, he doesn't treat Deanna Troy that way. He also doesn't treat uh, uh, Gates McFadden that way um, when, when Dr. Be- Crusher was there. Yeah, He has barely interacted with Troy this, this season, right? Yeah. I, if at all. Yeah. And I guess in The Child. Um, well, yeah, and that's not a great example. And that's not a great example. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Okay, I think... Le- I, would argue, I would argue some of the ones, his interactions even later with Troy, aren't aren't fantastic i mean yeah, many of the ones yeah, where he's interacting is the yeah. ones where he's trying to get in her pants 
I mean, yep. to be honest with yep. you, I mean, or he's mad because someone else or is somebody trying else to get is trying pants. to get in his pants. I think it's yep. a very interesting choice by the writers to yeah. write him in this way. Either they did it on purpose, or the person who was writing every episode that Riker is in, and there's obviously many of them, all mm-hmm. felt the same way or had the same opinions on women and wrote themselves into the role or something. I don't know. It, yeah. I just think it's just really interesting because it, it's always been interesting for me because I don't know. I just don't see why Captain Picard puts up with it. Like, he just doesn't seem like the dude. He, it just seems like he'd be like, Riker, come over here. I'm going to slap you. Stop being that way. It seems like he should it's have very a spray bottle choice. right next to the console and just, like, just hose him with it a little bit. Like, you know, no, not the, not, no, bad, one, bad. Cut, cut it out. Off the couch. Stop that. Yeah. Number one, get down. Riker's always, like I said, he's always been the character that, for me at least, has always been just a little unsettling. Like, I wouldn't put it past him to be like, peeking yeah. in people's rooms. I guess I remember yeah, I brought up that example and then I feel like there hasn't been a good example of that at all to this to this point. But like later I'm thinking of like conversations that I forget which episode it is, but it's the episode where Riker is maybe it's at the end of maybe it's best of both worlds the Borg episode. I can't remember. It's it's where he's considering another promotion for captain and like he's he's basically like I'm going to turn it down. And then, you know, Picard kicks him in the butt and is like, dude, you got to think of your career. The, the person who he has that conversation with is Deanna um, about, like, what am I still doing here? And I was the one who was going to be a captain. And, like, you know, he's clearly talking to her on an intimate, like, connecting level. And she is, you know, being very straightforward with him. And he's just kind of dealing with it. But, like, you're right. Up, there's so many examples, like, right? Like, and, and the majority of the examples, really, of him interacting with women are just real bad and they're ugh <laughs> ugh yeah he's he's I mean yeah I'm glad Wesley was like yep no not my style yeah well and he very like yeah uh, a good reaction from a pretty young kid to be like I don't think <laughs> does he say I don't think this is my style or I, I don't something like that I don't think yeah. this is my approach or something yeah. like that yeah I, I thought they said like get out of here Wes and then he moved on he does, yeah. Yeah, he, he says does that, say he, and then yeah. they say, "I think it's Guinan who says, shut up, kid.'" Yeah, which is another time he gets told to shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He really so. I mean, he moves through a lot, right? Because he, he starts with Jordy, and then goes to Worf and Data, and then Riker and Guinan. Oh God, I forgot about the conversation that he had with Worf. Oh yep. man, that one. Um, I want to I want to tip my hat to to Michael Dorn in that one and the way that he played that off, because uh, he, that's a good piece of acting from him. Like that's uh, that's him getting a chance to really get into the character, um, and and I think the funniest line in the episode and maybe several of the episodes we've seen in a while is he says something to the effect of like, uh, you know, men do this, and then women throw furniture. And then he men's do X, and then he just stops, turns to him, and goes, "We duck a lot." <laughs> and I'm just like the way that he says it, and like the oh, it's it's uh, it's priceless. Like that, he he did a nice nice job with that entire scene. I thought. Um, and then I forget what Data did. Data, Data Wes says like, "Do you think we would be compatible or something?" And Data says oh. like, "You both seem to be like humanoid creatures with similar structures, like." I do believe that you would be uh, like, oh, well. And Wesley says, I know Data. I don't want to dissect her. I want to date her. Yeah. Ah, that's yep. the line. Yeah. yeah. Good line. Yep. It was, it was a classic, that yeah. Wesley. 
Well, and it kind of drives home the whole point of like um, that stuff is really good in the episode, right? Like that's I think that's all the stuff that like hits, like the yep. Wes being a dopey, like no, oh, I don't know what to do, um, and getting like all of this advice from the other crew members, like that stuff's kind of cute well, and works, and, and it does. It allows them to paint a backstory for themselves to say, well, yeah, Riker does approach this differently than Data would, or Worf yeah, would, right. or, or Geordi would. I'm actually a, I'm, I'm more, like. I'm I'm afraid of Riker now. I like I just <laughs> he does do a Riker maneuver at the chair too. He gets to that table to do the Riker maneuver. Mm-hmm. Oh man, there's a lot of thrusting into that chair. They're just there. Ju- there's a lot. I'm like Riker. Wow, wow. You're at a ten. We need you at a four, buddy. He's going in Wang first. Yeah, really is. <laughs> I think he so, sees it as manly. I'm like that's just a, no. It's just terrifying. Yeah. Mm. Does anybody want to take a swing at what the thing that uh, Princess Amidala is actually going to do is? Like no, why she no. needs to go from planet A to planet B and yeah. then be a thing? Okay, so, I mean, the whole, yeah, you've, you've brought up, this is a great segue, thank you, Paul, because, like, I have, out of all of my notes, the only ones that aren't tech notes are, like, one thing that I thought was kind of nice. Oh, I've got tech notes. Is, uh, is a we'll bunch of questions, and they're all about the plot. And I'm just going to rattle these off in rapid fire. You can take them in whichever order you want. Or, But what are Celia and Anya, really? Animorphs. Um, they talk about it, Animorphs. Yeah. Is Celia the same race as the people she's supposed to rule? Um, That's a good question. And then if yes or no, I mean, if yes, are they all shapeshifters? I mean, I only read, like, maybe the first 20 Animorphs books, so I'm not sure when that backstory kicks in, but... <laughs> and then, uh, what happens in this episode of Substance, like, at all? Um, and is this episode just, like, ultimately kind of forgettable, really? Like, I mean, if not... If it isn't, it like... For me, it's, like, one of the most forgettable episodes. The only thing I remember about this episode, like, looking back on it, is that it's... Uh, I remember the Animorphs. Like, I remember the... <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and let me let me say, the CG, pretty decent. Well... Like, the shift from person to bear person, pretty good. The costuming, like, it's okay. I'm fine with it. No, see, that's where we're watching the HD remakes, because we're watching these on Netflix. Go okay. back to the standard definition version. You will not say the same thing. Mm. Those have been touched up, let me tell you. Um, because I remember almost gagging and dying, like choking on, I don't know, popcorn probably or something. Like when I watched this for the first time, because this is one of those episodes that I missed somehow. And I watched it. Uh, Hillary, you uh, bought me all these DVDs that we have, like when we were dating. Um, and so I remember getting this season set, the season two set, and going through I'm them. Just throwing it away. I still have it. It's on the shelf. There's, <laughs> there's, there's some good in here. Um, but I remember seeing that transition scene and just actually laughing so hard I almost choked on what I was eating. Um, <laughs> they have touched it up because I remember noticing that on the Netflix uh, version. I'm like, oh, okay, the HD, the, somebody somebody fixed that because it was well, real and- bad. <laughs> And they do give a little backstory, like, again, and the backstory is super thin, but they, like, Wes asks Data something, and Data says, like, almost nothing is known about her, and then goes on and gives, like, a detailed backstory about, like, her parents and her planet, and, like, there's two warring cultures or something, Mm -hmm. and 
yeah, it's weird. But they also talk about like the planet is tidally locked, um, right? I don't know if you caught that one, but they oh, they yeah. say like that the orbital period matches the rotational period, and yeah. it's like, ooh, like sure, have a planet that ha- like is tidally locked to the sun, but that's not going to create two distinct cultures. Like you don't get a day side and a night side. You get two pretty unlivable half planets and a pretty thin strip of livable planet. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if they're all bear people, it's moot, right? You know what I mean? Like, like maybe they just have more energy yeah. people. Like, sure, but that's just a weird thing to toss in there. That like the planet's tidally locked for a throwaway line because mm-hmm. I want to hear about a tidally locked planet. But yeah, throwaway line. Yeah, but and then question- when they get to the, you know they get to the planet, it doesn't it doesn't look tidally locked to me. But but my question too is is you know obviously both her and. Anya, Celia and Anya turn into these bear people, but then at the end of the episode, when she gets on the transporter, she becomes this like beam of light being thing. Yeah. Yeah. So is yeah. she really yeah. the beam of light, and the bear form is just one form that they take? You know what I mean? I was really confused by that because I was like, well, if you're the beam of light people, it kind of reminded me of like Q and stuff like that, and later, like you know, like you know, like these. I think I don't it, know these right. like energy people or whatever. Like, if they don't change their animal shape after, what, like a half hour or something, they get stuck in the animal form? Is that right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was bias, just... I was like, bias well, and the hawk, was that what it was? I don't know. I just... It was very confusing, because I was like, wait, I thought you were bear people, but now you're light people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it seems weird that their only chosen forms to demonstrate throughout this entire episode are a young girl or an old woman, respectively, and then... A tiny little like Ewok <laughs> yep. with oh, a that was messed adorable. up face. Yeah, oh, that was um, so great. Yeah, and then yeah. and then the monstrous half bug, half gorilla, whatever that thing is with with the googly eyes. Like that's it. That's all you're transforming into, and then apparently a ray of light because you yeah. can. So yeah. I have a note about a quarter into my notes that just says, "Oh yeah, comma shapeshifters," and then the last note in my notes is. Oh, yeah, they're like energy creatures. And, I mean, that kind of sums up the episode, right? <coughs> yep. Yep. Like, shapeshifters? It's, oh, it's, then energy. Well, and, and I think, Paul, you watch Rick and Morty. Hillary, you've seen some Rick and Morty episodes. I mean, this whole thing is, plays off like an episode of a, of a TV show that's on the interdimensional cable system. <laughs> Where they're just making it up as they go along. Like, eh, this whole thing has a looser and more improvisational feel to it. Like, they're just, you get the sensation that just before we arrive at the room that we were in, someone wrote that page and was like, I don't know, do this, you know, and then handed it to them. Well, so speaking of, it's a good question of, like, how much two people know. How much Worf knows and how much Troy knows and how early. Because early on, Worf starts tipping his hand like like he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And in his classic Worf, like, standoffishness, like, mm, they're not real people or whatever. And it, it doesn't feel like he should know anything. And then Troy has a line where they're talking and she's like, I think their minds are basically shapeshifters. <laughs> it's like, why would their minds be different? But she has some really weird lines in there, too. And then we just never see her again, so right. it right. kind of fixes that problem. But it's an interesting question of, like, who has any idea of this? And then Pulaski, right? Pulaski is the one who brings up Animorphs. But then when... I think it's... Boy, I don't... I, let's just say it's Picard. Picard tells Wes that, like, oh, they're Animorphs, and Wes immediately knows what that means. <laughs> Pulaski's like, this is some super... Uh, 
super um, distant medical knowledge. And Wes is like, no, this is something everybody knows. Yeah, if you're Wesley. Yeah. 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 Also, seems... Plesky's a jerk in this, right? Well, I mean, she's saying she won't kill her patient. Like, isn't that the only thing she does? She starts out a jerk. Because, like, she comes in and she's like, oh, like, what's that? Is that person sick or something? And she's like, yeah, whatever. They're sick. And she's like, is that contagious? She's like, whatever. We got air filters. And it's like, oh, do you not remember, like, two episodes ago when you didn't? <laughs> and then she says she's like oh like is it contagious and all she's like mathematically i guess like there's not a zero chance you'll get this disease and then when picard comes in she's like no absolutely not zero percent you will get this disease and like come on come on pulaski like, we just had a whole episode about this well i took i took pulaski as like uh because the what's her name anya like she basically comes in and like she doesn't know how to do anything but yell at people. So she's just oh, like, yeah, yeah. "That's a sick person. You have sick people here. Where sick people belong." And and I took Pulaski's read as basically my response, which would be like, "You came into a hospital and you're like somebody's sick. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a job here. You know, like I I kind of took that read as like I'm busy saving this person or making them better. And I'm sorry, who are you? And then <laughs> and then she turns into a giant. <laughs> bugbear like <laughs> so you know <laughs> oh bugbears uh, this episode I mean yeah yeah this uh, I, I want to I mean some other stuff happens but I think we've kind of like laid out the more important parts I want to I want to kind of visit this because I want to see what you guys think about it when I was uh, digging this up um, I found out that Rob Bowman had said some things about it um, <clears throat> who is the director of this episode he said and I quote this episode is a decent show about Wesley Crusher falling in love for the first time I just felt that there was no real conflict here we did the best that we could with a very simple story um, and and I, I want to see what you guys think about that because there's a lot of things that you could say about that episode that is one angle that it's a love story but there's not much else going on I, I just do you guys agree disagree just curious what you think about that. That's, again, the guy who directed this episode. What do you think, Hillary? I think at its heart, it's supposed to be a love story. And I think, like I said when I watched Haven, and I said this and I'll repeat this again, I think that sometimes if you have writers who don't, and I don't know anything about the writers, I don't think about their personal lives, um, I'm just making some assumptions about people who may or may not get into science fiction writing. And who may or may not have certain experiences in their life that when they attempt to write a love story, that perhaps having, like, I, and I said this about Haven, I said, so did they consult any ladies on this? Did they have anybody who's had, you know, like, did they bring a teenager in and be like, tell us about what it's like to be a teen in love? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they just are like, I was 16 once and I really liked science fiction, so I'm going to try to remember what it meant to felt. You know, like, I feel like that's the perspective that they were writing from. And maybe they needed a little bit more research when they when they wrote it. Because this could have been a really great, yeah, like watching awkward teens in love could actually be really, really interesting. And there's a big statement they could have made, particularly since Wes is trying to navigate it without his mom there. You know, where was that whole side of the story? Yeah, like, actually, he never He never talked about, man, I wish my mom was here. She'd be able to give me advice. Mm -hmm. She'd tell me if I was writing. That it was probably never, taboo, right? Yeah, probably. probably. Right. But yeah. at the same point in time, if you're going to tell a love story about 
a boy who's growing up without a dad and, and now without a mom and now without a mom it's it feels disingenuous to leave that out or at least not bring that up yeah. and that could have been a really interesting plot point not that he had to call his mom and talk to him or anything but just that angst part about i don't have it i don't have my mom here i don't have my dad here so i have to rely on all these other yahoos to give me advice and and what advice are they giving me and how am i going to synthesize that into what that means for me and and wanting to talk to this girl and liking this girl that's a, that's a really good point especially with the the gates mcfadden call out that like his mother isn't there and it is it is probably taboo that like they're they're not talking about um crusher because they're not talking about gates mcfadden um but it's also a really interesting point that this is written to be the male side of this love story right this is the teenage boy falling in love um because wes is a main character largely but i mean they also don't have many female characters that um they allow to fall in love except haven i guess um, although she doesn't really, right? Yeah, and no, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a, in fact the opposite of falling in love. It's forced it's an arranged love. marriage. Yeah. Arranged marriage yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so so they're they're never really touching on the side side of like what does this look like from the other side because they're they're pitching this to, um, I mean certainly their their target audience at that time and and I mean unfortunately to a large degree, probably even in this area in in science fiction is is you know that eighteen to twenty four year old. Uh, 18 to 24, 18 to 35, whatever, um, boy. And yeah, so it, it's interesting. Like they didn't write the backstory for the the female side of this love story, um, probably because they don't really have a grip on what that looks like. Um, what what Princess Amidala is feeling in this, right? What yeah. what she's going through. Well, and and <clears throat> I think the best way to kind of underscore that is the whole idea that because um, we were talking about this before we recorded this episode. But um, the, the, the title of the episode is The Dolphin, which is, is French. Uh, it means dolphin, but it, it's also a term that was used um, when talking about royalty and the heir apparent, essentially, uh, in a line of succession. Um, so that clearly means that this, the title of this episode is referencing Celia, or Princess Amidala. Um, mm-hmm. But then, the, so the episode says that that is the person that this episode is about, but then cannot be bothered to actually make the main central plot points about that person. Like she's in it and many of the plot points revolve around her situation, but it is not about her and what she's going through. It is about Wes's reaction to her and his falling in love with her. I I was wondering if the title of this was actually a clue to the fact that like the planet they were going to, um, a way to fix the tidal locking problem would be to have it be a water planet, right? So if this was like Camino or something, and their actual forms were dolphins, so that when they got there, they just turned back into dolphins <laughs> and not energy creatures, right? The energy creatures just to get through the atmosphere, which we'll talk about because that terawatt source thing. Gonna have a science moment about it, but uh-huh. if they were dolphins on the planet, that would work. And then the title of this episode is just about dolphins, right? Yep. Wow, you, you thought about that for a while, didn't you, Paul? Yep. Like you, yeah, you, yeah. Wow. 
Well, yeah. Paul, all I can tell you is after this episode, to the internet with you, because there's <laughs> fan fiction that hasn't been written on that exact subject. Oh, oh man. Oh, I'm so happy you said it that way, because halfway through that sentence, I thought you had already found fan fiction that existed. <laughs> <laughs> Some, you know, I, I shouldn't say that it doesn't exist authoritatively, because I don't know that, and many things on the internet tell us that that story exists that they are dolphins and it's probably incredibly pornographic <laughs> <laughs> if i know anything about the internet i know those oh, things oh man it's real it exists well and paul i mean you have a jumping off point i mean clearly part of the episode is is when wesley puts together oh that's why you asked whether what what species we were and we yeah, said we exactly. were humans so they they, they, if they had said dolphins they probably would have just shape-shifted into dolphins yeah i mean this does have ties right there is um <laughs> canon in the universe yes. I, I mean it's it, they're trying to work dolphins in uh, as opposed to whales in original series yeah in, right right in star trek for the voyage home right <laughs> Admiral, plot point there'll up. be whales here <laughs> Uh, and now in this one they just they couldn't use whales again right so they went with dolphins well I'll tell you what if that had been the conclusion of this episode my opinion of it would have shifted dramatically it, um, I mean insert some dolphin zones in here right <laughs> uh, why <laughs> why okay well Paul we better let you get to some of the stuff the nitpicky stuff that you've got because I mean how much nitpicky stuff do you have well, I, mean, I don't know I guess Hillary um what Let's start with the, the let's start with superconducting magnets. That's a quick one, right? She's right, got a sure. superconducting magnet that looks like a pencil sharpener with a wire around it, and she says like, "Watch out for superconducting magnets. They'll like pull the iron on your blood." Like, I, I, I mean, if you've ever had an fMRI or something, like that's a pretty strong magnet, right? It's a superconducting magnet, and it doesn't pull the iron out of your blood, right? That's like a lot stronger of a magnet, so. I don't know what sort of science experiments West would be doing that would need a magnet potentially in order of a magnitude stronger than, say, an fMRI magnet. But it's not going to look like a pencil sharpener. Uh, this is the future, Paul. Duh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, tiny, tiny pencil sharpener superconducting I, magnet. I work at a laboratory that uses superconducting magnets, and I can tell you that's not what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually Thank ginormous. You, they're huge. Thank like they're, they're huge. Like, they take up... Rooms and they involve things like yeah, exactly. helium and and uh-huh. all yep. sorts of stuff. So awesome. I mean, everyone yeah, knows. And, and I mean, yes, you have to wear your appropriate <laughs> PPE. But as far as I know, none of the researchers who work on them have iron deficiency. So, but yeah. what? You, but don't, what about, you don't have to wear like an adamantium skeleton or something. Fu- no, the, the fu- no, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> future. <laughs> what about the future? But the future is now. <laughs> the future is now. Whoa! Nice. Uh, okay. Like, at least it names laboratory. The future is now in terms of superconducting <laughs> magnets. Shout out. There we go. Nice. Um, okay. More more nitpicky stuff. Okay. Got, that's good. Uh, well, <laughs> I mentioned the terawatt source, right? That they get to the planet and they're like, oh, something's like, what do they say? They want to zoom in or something. Um, but they're like, because something's in the atmosphere and they're like, let's zoom in and look at the atmosphere better. And you're like, well... Would you really be able to tell anything by looking at it? But in any case, it's like something in the atmosphere that prevents signals from getting through. So they say that the the source that is sending the communication to them from the planet is a terawatt source, which is like a third of the energy output of the United States. Like the planet uses about 16 terawatts. I looked it up. And like, if that's the case, if that's what they're using to send a signal up, how are they going to teleport them down? 
Yeah, yeah. If if the transporter is matter matter to energy conversion, then back to matter. Yeah, they can't even get like, a signal. If they can get a radio signal there, out, yeah. Yeah. how are they getting it? Like, yeah. So that's an interesting question, right? <laughs> that they just like they could have just skydove, right? They could have just skydove him. <laughs> <laughs> Although. They would have to do it as energy because if well, they had any sort of matter, they'd just burn up through that, that super dense atmosphere. It was cut for time, right? But that's why she converted herself to energy. Yeah, because... they'd like, just send me outside and then I'll fly down. <laughs> exactly. They beamed her just outside the ship into a free fall <laughs> as energy and she passed through the super dense atmosphere. Obviously. Obviously. <sighs> they also talk about neutrino clouds. I won't even go into that one. but I'm really... I... <laughs> I've got feelings about this episode. They're not great, but well, what what is some of your nitpicky things? It can't be worse than what I just went through. I just this whole episode. I just <laughs> I don't. I wanted to get out while I was watching it. I wanted to. I wanted to be not in it anymore. Like I, I just the costumes are dumb. The <laughs> plot is. I love uh, the costumes. I love them. Oh, I mean, I've seen Halloween costumes that are more convincing than the freaking bugbear costume. That, that I mean, we we could go with that next Halloween. I it mean, sounds like a great. If plan. you think it's pretty easy to make, you know. Except I don't want to give my then four year old nightmares for most of his life. Like <laughs> he could dress as the smaller version. <laughs> he could be the Ewok bear. He could yeah. be the Ewok bear. How about I just get him a better costume and he could be an Ewok, <laughs> and then I could That's go fair. as Chewbacca. You like go that. as a Wookiee, yeah, yeah. Um, I, the the episode is dull um, in a lot of spots. They're just doing stuff. Like, I don't, I, I am, I'm absolutely certain that Jordy does routine maintenance on the engines. I, I'm, I'm convinced oh, yeah, that sure. that has yeah. to be a part of his, his regular job. That's not what I'm signing up for when I watch an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Like, I don't want to see him just waving a wand in front of a thing like i gotta get cool this flashlight. done yeah exactly yeah I, I <laughs> and mean, then several people ask what it is yeah and just have people constantly bother him yeah i, I just it doesn't it doesn't make sense in weird random places it i mean i just i don't care for it i don't i don't i don't like it i don't like this episode because i feel like this is and this is another one of those episodes that i would hold up and uh, I feel like I got most of this most of my life where, and I mean, Hillary, you know, before you and I met, you know, you hadn't watched a whole lot of Star Trek. Like, this is an episode that you would so, show somebody and it would only reinforce the question that most people already have when you tell them you're a fan of this type of stuff. Why do you like this? <laughs> you know, like, if, if somebody who wasn't familiar with how this show can be good, they would just watch this and they would be like, why do you like this? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't refute that. Like I, I would have, based upon what this episode brings to the table, like I'd be like, I. The only answer you can give is like, I, I don't know. Well, and and I'm surprised that it hasn't come up because you're you're kind of pitching that someone who is not um, accustomed to this universe would have trouble with it. Yeah, um, I'm surprised you haven't brought up the um, sort of. We've run into a few times, like in in um, Unnatural Selection, we ran into genetic engineering, which they were super cool with, which is universe breaking, yeah, um, because of how it gets played out later and earlier, frankly. Um, but here they are 
seemingly cool with shapeshifters, um, which they kind of use pretty um, conservatively later. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Mm-hmm. Shapeshifters are powerful. That is exceptionally powerful. Um, it's to same. To, it's to the degree of like Luxana Torre. Like if she was around all the time, um, like having someone who is fully telepathic is exceptionally powerful. Um, and you can't have that all the time. You can't have that in the universe without like pretty extensive consequences. Without there being, yeah, yep. Um, and so later in this this fiction in this universe, they only have one set of shapeshifters, and they are not from this galaxy. Um, or wait, yeah, they are not. Oh boy, I have to. No, they're from there. they're from the galaxy. They're from a part of the galaxy that is distant. Yes. Okay. I was thinking they came here from a different galaxy, but. In, in any case, that's not the important part. Um, the important part is, like, a handful of these um, really impact the universe, right? In, right. in extreme ways. So you're basically saying that were this episode any good for anything, it would have serviced the ideas that it brought to the table in a at least respectable manner. <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> If this episode had been good, they might have had to rethink shapeshifters. Right. <laughs> because I think at Deep Space Nine, they were like, oh, we already did those once? Oh, yeah, nobody watched that episode. Anything else we want to talk about? Hillary, do you have anything else you want to mention? Well, yeah, I think as you're talking about, you know, things that I think were overlooked, I really look at this. They didn't really do much with... Um, with Anya, I found her to be a very confusing character for me because yeah, they what? would. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They would. I mean, I think for me, I mean, they talked about her being, you know, the governess, but then they would talk about her in this mother role, and then they would talk about her as a protector, and these are all interchangeable but very different roles that she plays, and I think too for me it was just maddening because she was just, she was so angry and she was so bitter and she was so almost abusive in the way that she protected Celia that it was not that she she needed to be likable by any stretch of the imagination but she was just a tough character for me that I felt that they just really neglected a lot that they like gave her these lines and were like here sound fierce and sound protectory but not really understand why yeah, you I've... just reminded me of something important too, right? She says a line in front of Worf that's like, "I'm older than the stars," and Worf's just like, mm, "Whatever." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... and well, and she even said it to Celia. She's like, "I'm older than you can imagine," or something like yeah, that. I'm she like, says it wouldn't to Celia. Celia know that? Like, wouldn't I mean? And yeah. or wouldn't she or also wouldn't then, Celi- by extension, potentially be older? Because that's yeah. my question yeah. too. Is and is we... obviously this woman at one point in time clearly she morphed into what looked like Celia's best friend. She was the same age. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't Celia also be older than old? I mean, these are yeah. just people, they're, they're shapeshifters, so they really don't have a sense of time and place, really, and age, I'm sure. Like, if, if we're going to get into the whole thing, they're energy beings. Um, so I don't know. I just really struggled with, I think, the stereotypical way that they conveyed her in terms of the stereotypes they used in terms of protector, in terms of motherhood, in terms of... Well, that kind of stuff. It just yeah. it bothered me a little bit because I knew what they were going for, which was they wanted her to be a fierce protector because Celia had such a big job to do. But the lines and the way that she played it off really did damage to that, I think, and 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 didn't really. And then too, there was I mean, there was just those lines, you know, where she showed up and she rolled the elevator up and like sass Jordy and was like, "Well, I'm coming back to check on your work." I'm like, "What? 
what is the matter? Like, why are you pissed about this? Like, why, yeah. why is this the thing you're worried about? Okay. And then yeah. I was waiting for her to come back later and sass Jordy out. And she never, I was like, oh, you're not going to go sass Jordy? Okay. thought that was something Jordy was probably waiting do. and then felt lonely. And then he did, poor Jordy. <laughs> he gets left alone so often. Well, yeah, she's not, um, you're right. I didn't really, I didn't put a finger on it until you kind of pointed it out that way. But she's not credible. Like, she's just not her relationship with Celia is not credible because like well, if I just they don't had... think we know enough about it like we just know she's supposedly this protector who has made Celia yeah. fulfill this duty she was quote unquote destined to have but that's about it but I would think Celia would be if if she were truly that vital and necessary Celia would at least be like maybe not warm necessarily but at least be more comfortable with her but like the whole time she reacts as anybody else would, I think, which is just like, you're annoying. Why are you doing this? And it's like, well, if she's been doing this the whole time, A, that's another thing, but B, like, that the relationship doesn't seem sustainable. Like, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, if Especially she were just, for one that's, like, hundreds of years old, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's been doing this the whole time. Like, I mean, Celia does not seem the type of person who would just, like, deal with that forever. So she would either probably, A, run away or just, like, killer or something but it's like you know I mean I just have a hard time like seeing them just hanging out you know <laughs> like well I think the writers may have forgotten that they are asking a, an actor to play a character who should come from the perspective of being hundreds of years old who is then playing a teenager yeah as opposed to writing the lines of a teenager for somebody who's playing you know what I mean yeah. like I think they kind of flip-flop that a little bit I'm well, like yeah. You, yeah you know what I mean like this yeah. is a person who's hundreds of years old potentially thousands of years old has all of this supposedly ex- experience and they take a human form because that's what they opted to take so they could fit in yeah but with that should come some wisdom and she should have been the one really potentially guiding wesley through i mean i i, I don't know like i felt like okay so why isn't salia the lead here like in terms of she should i'm sure she's maybe she she said she didn't have relationships before but she's been around a long time potentially so she's got to have some experience i don't know it was just really weird for me that whole thing and that's a good point right that if she came at this more like you know i like you but i can't be in this because like i'm an immortal creature or something along those lines that's something wes is not going to understand and then that's more into the this side of telling her story about this struggle of different creatures in the universe right because she's not human and and all the things about her backstory are potentially really interesting here in a star trekky way mm-hmm. of exploring new places and, and learning new things about new cultures um and they really just like you said they paint her as a human teenager yeah well in this this episode i mean it's 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 epidemic of all the things that are wrong with this episode because it has there's ideas in there that it doesn't know what to do with um, and I think I think the the guidance that was given to the actors is probably almost non-existent because the answers to those questions, i.e., how old is Celia really? How old is Anya really? What are the implications of that on their relationships with each other and to the relationships with people that they are just meeting, i.e., the crew of the Enterprise? Those are questions that they can't answer because they don't have the like the writers didn't bother to come up with the answers to yeah. those questions either. They're just like, I don't know, she's really old. How old? Older than you can imagine. Next page. Like it also seems <laughs> it also seems like they would have come up with better solutions to like fighting each other than both turning into bugbears and just like waving <laughs> their arms at each other. Right. <laughs> Because they're like, oh, I'm yeah. like, why do they always brute force this with physical might if they're both shapeshifters? Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And it's like they could do some psychological warfare here. Like they could turn into each other. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You could do all sorts of things. You could, yeah. Maybe they're just really crappy shapeshifters. I mean, that's that could be. The... Yeah, maybe they could just only be three things. They could be the bear, <laughs> the humans, and the dolphins. Shapeshifting is hard. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's so oh, well, that's hard. right. In animorphs, I think you had to touch the animal, right? I yeah, think you, you had to touch the animal to be an animal, to be an animorph. All right, I that's say, just probably, cautiously. That's probably enough. I think. Uh, I I don't have my. I I think I think we've talked about this episode far too much <laughs> already. I'm ready to call. Hillary, it. what's your what's your vote on it? Yeah. Oh, what am I voting on? Whether watch watch. So somebody who has not, you're walking somebody through the series for the first time ever. They're sitting on the couch next to you, and you get to this one and you say, "Skip it or watch it." Well, I'd probably skip it. I would. Paul, what say you? I mean, this one, <clears throat> like I said, it's it can be fun. And that's different from something like Unnatural Selection, which is just um, horrifying. And <clears throat> there are there are break, universe-breaking things in here, like shapeshifters. There's a lot of problems with this episode. It, it's the definition of skippable. But um, at the same time, if you want to hate watch an episode for fun... Uh, this one can be fun if you approach it as a um as a kind of silly episode all right but that's a that's a it's a skip a it's a weak skip. answer okay there you go i was gonna say it's a skip yeah it's a skip for me too i i <laughs> this is a stupid episode <laughs> it's a stupid episode that just it's it's science fictiony in all the wrong ways you know and for all the reasons we just talked about there's ideas here it does no service to them whatsoever what it chooses to focus on are the bright shiny objects and it doesn't tie anything together so that at the end of the episode i literally was staring at it i was like huh and then credits you know and i'm like well i don't ever want to see that one again okay you know out of here so yeah it's kind of very surface level everything they touch on is very much just the surface yeah yeah but uh i got to watch it with my wife and my wife will sit through terrible episodes of star trek with me so that's that's pretty okay hillary did you have fun Oh yeah, I always have yeah. fun. I enjoy Star Trek. I think I think we got to get you on an episode that's not dreadful. <laughs> Next, we could just start an Animorphs podcast. I mean, <laughs> I, until next time, I'm Jason and I'm Paul. And I guess you got to touch an animal to morph into it if you're an animorph. I I don't know how that works. Yeah, I mean, was there a show? Was there a TV show? Did they have a theme song? I like, don't know. if there is, you'll probably hear it right. Question mark. Here. <laughs> We'll see ya.